Hello, welcome. Happy Tuesday. Actually, I want to issue a huge welcome to the FBI, who I assume has tuned into this show by now because they issued a new document, a training document. They didn't issue it. Project Veritas released their new document on how to identify a militia violent extremist. And if you fly the don't tread on me flag, we talked about this last week, that throws up a red flag to the FBI that maybe they should keep an eye on you because maybe you're a militant violent extremist. And then today over on The Atlantic. I don't know if you guys saw this article or not. The Atlantic says that praying the rosary is an extreme act. They say that the rosary beads, everyone, even if you're not Catholic, you're familiar with what the rosary beads look like, that that's a symbol of extremism. So I just want to start out the show by saying I pray the rosary daily. I'm actually flying the Don't Tread on Me flag at my house right now. I oppose critical race theory in school. I will always fight against the transgender ideology and the transing of children. I think that the raid on President Trump at Mar-a-Lago is a gross abuse of power. So FBI, welcome to the show. Maybe you'll learn something. We have a lot to talk about today. And what we are first going to talk about is, let me actually get this up on my phone. This is something that President Trump posted on Truth Social about an hour ago. He said, and I quote, wow, in the raid by the FBI of Mar-a-Lago, they stole my three passports, one expired, along with everything else. This is an assault on the political opponent at the level never seen before in our country, third world. They took Trump's passport. They literally took Trump's passport. Like what? What is that? You take someone's passport if they're a flight risk. We're gonna talk about that today. We're also gonna talk about the fact that the FBI seized attorney-client privileged documents from Mar-a-Lago and executive privileged documents. Is that even a legal thing to do? We're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk about why did the FBI subpoena 60 days of video footage from Mar-a-Lago? Day and night, round the clock, two months worth. The FBI wants to view it all. We're gonna talk about that. We're also gonna talk how, about how the left is trying to use this raid on President Trump, not just to get Trump, that part's obvious, but actually to get us as well. Also, what is Adam Schiff doing? I thought we were done with this guy, but oh, surprise, he's back. So what is he doing back? And what does this tell us about the FBI raid and about this entire plan from the left? And who was behind this raid? We got to see the warrant, but we never got to see the affidavit, the person or the source that gave the information to the FBI that made the FBI think, well, maybe we should stage a raid on President Trump. We are gonna dig into all of this today. All right, I love GenuCell plant stem cell therapy. I've used it all over my face, under my eyes, and it cleared up the dry flakiness and even reduced my forehead lines. Someone even asked if I had work done. No, no, just GenuCell, thank you. That is Samantha from Arcadia, California, raving about her transformative results. GenuCell has sold over 1 million products to women and men across this great country of ours and love the results. Fine lines, forehead wrinkles, dark spots, sagging jawline, and even those annoying bags and puffiness, gone without risky procedures, and with GenuCell's immediate effects, guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. Now see the difference for yourself with 65% off their most popular packages at GenuCell.com. Every most popular package includes a free month supply of the original GenuCell under eye bags and puffiness treatment. All you have to do is visit my URL, URL it's GenuCell.com slash Liz, 
and enter promo code Liz at checkout for an extra special discount. Order today and get their summer essential dark spot corrector absolutely free. Go to genucel.com slash Liz. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Liz. Genucel.com slash Liz. Okay, when I read Trump's statement that the FBI had seized his passports, I thought to myself, the FBI only takes away the passports of people that they're targeting if they believe that person to be a flight risk. So first of all, do they really think that President Trump is going to flee the country without them noticing? He just, what, calls up Air Force One? Well, not Air Force One, but the plane that he flies on now is big Trump plane and just sneaks out of the country. Where do they think he's gonna go? Just put on a fake mustache and slip through customs, maybe go hang out in North Korea with Kim Jong-un? It's so absurd. The FBI is so ridiculous. Remember, if you rewind to the initial iteration of the narrative that we weren't told by the FBI, but the FBI leaked it through the New York Times and the Washington Post, we were told that the National Archives wanted documents related to President Trump's administration, not classified documents. We weren't told that until the second iteration of the narrative. But we were told that these documents were letters Kim Jong-un had sent to Trump. We were told it was a map, a hurricane map that President Trump had marked up with a marker himself. Things that we've we've all seen. President Trump told us what was in that letter from Kim Jong-un and this map we all saw. President Trump did that publicly. And yet the FBI considers him to be a flight risk to the point that they confiscate his passports. This is so bananas. This is so bananas. This is so different than the targeting that the deep state has leveraged against President Trump and against conservatives, against anybody who doesn't adhere to the radical leftist ideology. This is so different. So here's the thing, though. Did the FBI actually break the law with this raid? Because the warrant, we did see the warrant, although we did not see the affidavit. So what we saw is we saw what the judge said that the FBI could do, what the FBI could seize, where in Mar-a-Lago the FBI was allowed to go, and when. What we did not see is we did not see the attachment, the affidavit of FBI sources that told the judge, here's why we think this warrant is necessary. Here's why you should grant us this warrant. So great that we saw the warrant, although after the fact, okay, we really need to see the affidavit. The warrant allowed the FBI to seize literally every single piece of paper that President Trump ever saw as president. I'm not saying this hyperbolically. If you read the warrant, the FBI is allowed to get, I'm gonna actually read it to you. This is attachment B. Attachment B says all physical documents, property to be seized, all physical documents and records constituting evidence, contraband, fruits of crime, or other items illegally possessed in violation of 18 USC 793, 2071, or 1519, including the following, any physical documents with classification markings along with any containers, boxes, including any other contents in which such documents are located, as well as any document or any containers and boxes that are collectively stored or found together with the aforementioned documents and containers and boxes. Information, including communication in any form regarding the retrieval, storage, or transmission of national defense information or classified material. But here's the one, here's the one. Any government and or presidential records created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th of 2021. So literally every single thing that President Trump touched or read or wrote or made a note on or was given to him, every single record. Okay, 
the FBI not only seized what they want because what they wanted because they had a warrant to seize anything and everything they also seized attorney client privilege documents and executive privilege documents and i don't get this exactly attorney client privilege documents are supposed to protect the person even if it is a defendant meaning even if the fbi is conducting some sort of criminal investigation into trump trump has the right to attorney-client privilege. He has the right to have privileged communication between he and his attorney. The government's not allowed to subpoena that. They're not allowed to seize that. They're not allowed to violate that right of Trump's just because the FBI has Trump under investigation. So what's the justification here? Why is the FBI suddenly allowed to do this? And where, by the way, is the outcry? All of these leftists telling us that our democracy is being threatened. One of the bedrock values of our democracy is attorney-client privilege. The fact that you have a right to an attorney and you're allowed and encouraged, of course, to speak with your attorney about things that you might not want your investigators to know about, private information, personal information. How is the FBI just allowed to go in and seize this? The same with executive privilege documents. That's a little bit different than attorney-client privilege, but executive privilege documents generally relate to conversations that a president had with his advisors. This is also a bedrock foundational principle of how the executive branch of our government is run. It would be incredibly dangerous if a president felt that he couldn't have private conversations with his advisors because otherwise he would suffer the political ramifications of every cable news channel in the entire country talking about these private conversations, political strategy, maybe not so nice things that you said about your opponents, maybe things that you're worried about, people on your own team that you don't want, bad ideas that you're batting around during brainstorm sessions. It would be incredibly destructive if a president could only have public conversations. Think for a second about the State of the Union Address. Think about how well-crafted that is. Every single word, in every single line, in every single paragraph, all working together like this orchestra to create this message to try to speak to the American people, both people that support the president, people that are opposed to the president. This speech takes months to craft. But the president, when he's crafting that, He talks about, with his advisors, well, what do we want the American people to take away from this speech? What do we want to focus on? What do we not want to focus on? What do people approve of that I'm doing? What do people oppose? He talks about those things with his advisors. That's what executive privilege is. A president has to protect being able to say stupid things and have bad ideas in brainstorming sessions, talk about strengths and weaknesses without every single person on the earth knowing. And not just, not just for re-election campaigns. This is true for everything, for how you handle foreign policy, how you handle hostile nations. But the FBI, what did they do? They tell us no one's above the law, but clearly they think they're above the law. Because there's a law that prohibits people from simply seizing executive privileged information and attorney-client privileged documents, and yet that's what the FBI did. So what does this mean? The FBI broke the law. They claim President Trump's in violation of the law, but I see two laws that the FBI violated. And that's not even taking into account this affidavit, which we're not allowed to see apparently. 
Remember, the second iteration of the narrative is that, oh, actually it was classified information. Trump had nuclear weapons secrets. And we talked about that late last week. We did a live on locals over the weekend talking about how I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I do not believe that Trump has nuclear weapons related information and documents at Mar-a-Lago. First of all, if he did, this is on the FBI for waiting 18 months to go in and seize that. Yeah, right. I don't believe it for a second, not for a second. But ultimately, when it comes to classified documents, the president of the United States as chief executive is the ultimate arbiter of classification, meaning everyone else in the administration, aside from the president and the vice president, have to go through bureaucratic or they have to jump through bureaucratic hoops in order to declassify information or lower a classification level, not the president. The president can literally look at a piece of paper that says classified, and he can say, it's no longer classified, or he doesn't even have to declare it. He can simply share classified information with someone who doesn't have the clearance because he is the ultimate arbiter of classification. Trump's lawyer said that they told the FBI that there were no classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, and the lawyer said that they told this to the FBI of at least a month before the raid. So what does that mean? Well, I love Cozy Earth Sheets because it's been so hot around here recently that it's been very difficult for me to sleep and difficult for Lady Baby to sleep. In fact, let me ask you this. How did you and your family sleep last night? If you answer this question, not so great, or eh, just okay, or please don't ask, then you're not alone. One out of every three Americans report being sleep deprived and your sheets could be part of the problem. That's why I like Cozy Earth Sheets the wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and sweaty and then freezing the next. It's super gross. But there is a solution. Cozy Earth Sheets, they are the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature-regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which actually makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows Cozy Earth Sheets to breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. Cozy Earth even offers a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out, if you are not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding. 35%. That's a good deal. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry. This offer ends soon. It's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. So the chief executive, meaning President Trump at the time, of course, is the ultimate arbiter of classification. He can simply look at a document that's classified and say, nope, I declassify this, which President Trump did, by the way. He declassified the Russia collusion documents, all of them. He also says that he had a standing order to declassify documents that were taken to Mar-a-Lago because he often did work at home and he took documents with him. And so instead of jumping through these bureaucratic hoops, he said, anytime that I take documents with me, it's automatic. Those are declassified, every single one. I don't want to have to declare it every time. So assume that anything I take with me, I have declassified in the appropriate in the appropriate way. So this actually makes perfect sense when President Trump's lawyer told the FBI a month ago that there were no classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. Mar this substantiates President Trump's claim that he had a standing order to declassify documents. Well, that makes perfect sense. If he did, then nothing at Mar-a-Lago would have been classified. The FBI, however, claims that there were 11 sets of classified documents that they found, 11 sets. Compare this just for a second to Hillary Clinton's personal email where seven email chains were of the highest classification level. The highest classification level typically deals with human intelligence, meaning an asset or a source whose very safety, family, and life is at risk, is endangered if whatever information is included in that email chain becomes public. 
seven separate email chains Hillary Clinton had on her email server. Her email server, which was insecure, it was penetrable by any hostile nation who wanted to hack into it, and I'm sure they did. Yet President Trump, even if this is true, that there were 11 documents that were previously marked classified, although they shouldn't have been anymore at Mar-a-Lago, they shouldn't have been classified there because Trump had a standing order to declassify them. Mar-a-Lago is guarded by the Secret Service who protects the president, the former president, Trump, and his family. You're telling me that those documents aren't safe at that location where the president is, even though the Secret Service protects the president? But Hillary Clinton's email server, seven threads of the most highly classified documents that dealt with human intelligence sources who could have been killed or worse if they were found out? This is the FBI, ladies and gentlemen. The FBI also subpoenaed video footage from Mar-a-Lago. 60 days worth of video footage. This, by the way, is the same Department of Justice who currently refuses to release 14,000 hours of video footage from January 6th. But they want 60 days worth from President Trump. Why? This is key. Because if it is subpoenaed by the FBI, then President Trump is not allowed to release it publicly. That is why. The FBI reportedly told President Trump's team to turn off the video surveillance cameras and they refused. Why? Why does the FBI want the cameras off? Are they planting evidence? Because if they were, we wouldn't know. We're just supposed to take their word for it. But President Trump can't release it, and that's why. That is why. So Simone Sanders worked for Kamala Harris and now works for MSNBC. Shocker! Isn't the pipeline between Democratic political operatives who work for politicians and the radical leftist cable news channels, that pipeline is just so immediate. Simone Sanders, Jen Psaki, hilarious, hilarious. It's basically working for the same master, isn't it? Same, the same boss here. Uh, the radical leftist ideology. So Simone Sanders had Democratic Congresswoman Barbara Lee on her show this weekend. And what they were talking about tells us exactly who the FBI is trying to get when they stage this kind of raid on President Trump. So many facets of this conversation um, and a broader conversation, frankly, about this right wing rhetoric and the real world consequences. I am just struck by the fact that the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, they have um, reported that there's been a spike in threats to law enforcement after the search. I think it is undeniable that rhetoric has consequences. But do you think that some of your colleagues um, insist on escalating this type of language, understand that implicitly? Do they? Do you think they believe it's just all social media and it's not them? I think they understand it, but I don't think they care. Hate, hate speech leads to hate violence. And we know that the number one national security threat is domestic terrorism, which is fueled by white supremacy. Do they care? Do they know? Uh, their behavior tells me that they really don't care. And that's the danger of this. When you have uh, people who uh, are elected to public office and really just throw away the rule of law and create uh, an environment where they want people to believe these lies, that just opens up the box in terms of the rule of law not being ever adhered to. And it, it's almost like anarchy. And so uh, it's a very dangerous moment. Simone, we have to continue talking about it, but we have to really recognize 
that uh, domestic terrorism fueled by white supremacy is is what the highest national security threat is now, and we have to be very careful and let mm. the Justice Department continue these investigations so that they can bring to justice those who perpetrated not only January 6th, where I was sitting during that violent attempted coup, but also what has been, you know, happening in our country for many, many years. Mm, yes, this is not new. So what happened in that clip is the dictionary definition of gaslighting. This is Simone Sanders' expertise, and clearly she brought on the correct guest for this. They're trying to gaslight you and I. The FBI raid on President Trump was, of course, a political attack on President Trump, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. The left hates President Trump. They suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. They know President Trump is going to run in 2024. They're terrified of that. They know the American people won't believe for a second that Biden beats Trump again in 2024. Not for a second would people believe that that was done fairly. And so they want to try to take him out. That's of course true. But there's a secondary part to what the FBI has done to President Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Now, I like Nutrafol because it's both natural and it works. We all know that half of the people watching my show are balding men. You know who you are. There is a holistic solution for you that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs, without prescriptions. It's called Nutrafol. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. What do I mean when I say without compromise? I mean, it doesn't decrease your sex drive. Nutrafol is made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. So you can grow healthy, thicker hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering my promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you'll get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. It's spelled N-U-T. R-A-F-O-L.com. And don't forget to use my promo code, Liz, for $15 off your first month subscription and free shipping. Nutrafol.com, promo code, Liz. The secondary purpose of the FBI raiding Trump at Mar-a-Lago is to target us. There's been a concerted effort, but made by the left, aimed at us, to try to stifle our speech, and not just stifle our speech so that we can't speak, but to punish us vindictively for our speech. It started with cancel culture, which is a moral crime, and now the left is trying to morph this moral crime of speech that they don't like into an actual criminal crime. What did she say? Hate speech leads to hate violence. Congresswoman, what is hate speech? What is your definition of hate speech? According to the left, hate speech is criticism of the FBI. According to the left, hate speech is support of President Donald Trump. According to the left, hate speech is criticism of Kamala Harris. According to the left, Hate speech is support of the Second Amendment. According to the left, hate speech is not wanting children transed. It leads to hate violence, Congresswoman Barbara Lee says. And then she says, the number one threat in our country is domestic terrorism spurred by white supremacist violence. So what is her train of thought here? Your speech is actually hate speech, 
even if it's not actually hate speech. Your hate speech is violent because it's hateful. Hate violence is spurred by white supremacy because if you're a conservative, a Christian, or a Trump supporter, if you support religious liberty, if you are a supporter of the Second Amendment, then obviously, if you love America, America that was founded on slavery, according to the left, then, well, you're standing on the shoulders of white supremacists. You are inherently white supremacists, even if your actions and your words and your thoughts and your feelings aren't demeaning towards another race, even if you support equality under the law, that doesn't matter because the white people who came before you, who you didn't know, who you had nothing to do with, just by nature of sharing the same color of skin as these people hundreds of years ago, you must be a bigot and a racist. And that makes you, of course, a domestic terrorist, which makes you the number one threat to security in our country. So yeah, the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago was about getting Trump. They will do anything they can to prevent Trump from running in 2024. But it was also about you. It was also about me. They want to criminalize you as a white supremacist, domestic terrorist, if you criticize the deep state at the FBI using the power of the federal government to target the political opponent of Joe Biden and the radical leftist ideology. Have we entertained the idea that the FBI didn't necessarily want to recover nuclear weapons documents or highly classified documents at Mar-a-Lago? That part's obvious. But that maybe they wanted to recover something that Trump had in his possession that he had previously declassified that reflected poorly on the FBI or the deep state at the Department of Justice? What documents did President Trump declassify before he left office? The Russia collusion documents. All of them. Have we entertained the idea that maybe the FBI doesn't want people to see what's in those documents? Maybe the American people would reject the deep state if they could see the documents that the deep state produced, wherein the deep state admits that they are using the power of the government to target President Trump because they don't like him. Thank goodness President Trump's employees did not scrub that video footage. That might be one of the only things that's gonna save Trump from this plot to take him down. If you haven't already subscribed to my show, please do so. Go over to Apple Podcasts and click subscribe and go to YouTube. You can look me up. I'm Liz Wheeler Show on YouTube. Click subscribe over there too and click that bell so that we can notify you every time we have a new video for you. You will notice during this FBI raid as we start getting this trickle of information and there's two sources of information that is trickling down to us. There's information that's coming from the deep state, from the Department of Justice, from the FBI, not to us directly. They can't talk to us. We're the sorry people. They go through their puppets, their mouthpieces. They go through the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN. Their favorite propaganda arms. That's one source of information that trickles down to us. And then we have the truth that trickles down to us too. Sometimes it's enterprising investigative journalists. Sometimes it's President Trump revealing information directly. Sometimes we piece this stuff together based on the facts that surround the whole case. But you will notice something about this FBI raid 
it's the same. It's the same playbook. It's the same players. It's just a new hoax. But it's exactly the same. The way they did Russia collusion, which led to impeachment hoax number one, the way they did the Ukraine impeachment, impeachment hoax number two. This is the same playbook. It's the same people that are involved. Adam Schiff is back. House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff and Oversight Committee Chair Carolyn Maloney are actually asking the Office of the Director of National Intelligence to do a damage assessment based on this idea that we hear through the New York Times and the Washington Post, probably from the FBI who wanted the New York Times and the Washington Post to say this, do a damage assessment of how much damage our country suffered because President Trump had some documents at Mar-a-Lago that the FBI didn't want him to have there. I thought we'd seen the last of Adam Schiff. I thought we discredited this guy. Well, we didn't even have to discredit him, right? He discredits himself every time he opens his mouth. We literally sat here. This is the most frustrating part of all of this to me. We literally sat here and told Republicans in Congress that if these leftists who were part of propagating hoax after hoax after hoax on not only President Trump, but the American people who elected him, if these leftists didn't face some kind of accountability for Russiagate, then they were going to do it again. A criminal is always emboldened when they don't get caught. They are emboldened. It's the same people. The former CIA director, Michael Hayden, there was a, a, tw a tweet that was sent out by a guy named Michael Beschloss. It it's a picture of the Rosenbergs, uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. They were Soviet spies. And this is what Michael Beschloss said. He said, Rosenbergs were convicted for giving US nuclear secrets to Moscow and were executed June of 1953. General Michael Hayden, he was the CIA director, the former CIA director. He retweeted this and said, sounds about right. Like what? What? The former CIA director is giving a stamp of approval to a guy that's suggesting that President Trump should be executed? Because that's the premise of the left. They never gave up on Russia collusion. They gave up on trying to throw Trump in jail for it, but they never admitted that they were wrong. They never admitted that they fabricated it. You'll still hear that narrative pop up sometimes where they claim that President Trump has been co-opted by the Russians. So if they believe that President Trump has been co-opted by the Russians and that he has his hands on classified information at Mar-a-Lago that was insecure, and they were convicted of giving these nuclear secrets, this is implicitly endorsing the execution of President Trump. Michael Hayden is not new to targeting President Trump. He was one of three former CIA directors who signed a letter. You'll remember this. Back in October of 2020, there were 51 former Intel officials who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. They wrote a letter. They all signed it. They said, listen to who we are. We worked in intelligence. Three former CIA directors even. And we'll tell you that this story about the Hunter Biden laptop, this isn't real. It's not authentic. It's not really Hunter. It's just the Russians trying to interfere, trying to make sure that President Trump wins because, you know, Trump co-opted by Russia. Michael Hayden was part of that letter. 
The Hunter Biden laptop is very, very real. And Michael Hayden tried to impact the outcome of the 2020 election by issuing that letter. These people are the same people, same players, same playbook, different hoax. So in the Ukraine impeachment, you'll remember that there was this alleged whistleblower who listened in to this phone call between President Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky, who accused Trump of engaging in some kind of quid pro quo, which he didn't. We got access finally to the readout of this call. President Trump did nothing wrong. It turns out it was a policy disagreement between Alexander Vindman, excuse me, (laughs) Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. You guys remember that video of Vindman in front of Congress where someone called him Mr. Vindman and he goes, Lieutenant Colonel, please, which is only something you do if you were a total jackass in the military, (laughs) correcting someone in public who is not addressing you by your rank, not in a work setting. So Alexander Vindman, as it turned out, was simply a never Trumper. He's on Twitter now. You can go look at his feed. He's virulently anti-Trump. He had a policy disagreement with Trump and he used that policy disagreement as an excuse to accuse Trump of a crime to try to get president to try to get him impeached so that he wouldn't be allowed to run for office again. Nobody had ever heard of Alexander Vindman. Who the heck was this guy? Who is this this little angry round-headed dude? No one ever knew anything about him. A disgruntled deep stater working in the bureaucracy of the administrative state too close to Trump because he was able to actually hurt Trump with his, well, disgruntled policy disagreements. So what about this time? Who's behind this one? Who's behind this FBI raid? There had to be something that tipped this over the edge. It all comes back to that affidavit. If we could just get our eyes on that affidavit, we would know a lot. But Margot Cleveland over at The Federalist has a fabulous theory about who this is. It makes perfect sense. I'm gonna post the link to this Federalist article. I'm gonna post it on Twitter. I'm gonna post it on Local so that you can read it all. I wanna read a little bit of it. It's too long to read the whole thing. But Margot Cleveland has identified a similarly disgruntled bureaucrat who hates President Trump who could be behind this, this FBI attack. The former archivist of the United States. So this is a perfect tie-in, right? Because the National Archives, this was supposed to be, we were told a National Archives investigation. The former archivist, who is the head of the National Archives, David uh, Ferriero. So this is what this is what Margot Cleveland writes. She goes, during the spring of 2021, the National Archives reportedly discovered some high-profile documents missing, such as correspondence with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un that Trump once described as love letters. The letter President Barack Obama had left for Trump and a map of Hurricane Dorian that had been altered with a black marker by Trump. And according to Ferriero's congressional testimony, the National Archives began talking with Trump's people right after they left office about presidential records. Ferriero confirmed for the press in February of 2022 that the 15 boxes of material had been retrieved by the National Archives. Then in a February 10th, 2022 article, the Post reported two significant leaks. First, that within the material returned to the National Archives were documents marked as classified, and second, that archives officials asked the Justice Department to look into the matter. By the way, put a pin in both of those things because that's very critical here. By March 2022, the National Archives was reportedly in consultation with the Justice Department. And by April 7th of 2022, according to leaks to the Post, the Department of Justice had launched an investigation into Trump related to the 15 boxes of material retrieved by the National Archives. 
Another Department of Justice leaker reportedly told Newsweek that in late April of 2022, a federal grand jury began deliberating whether there was a violation of the Presidential Records Act or whether President Trump unlawfully possessed national security information and that the grand jury concluded that there had been a violation of the law. Further leaks revealed that the Department of Justice by springtime had issued a subpoena to Trump purporting to seek additional documents that it believed may have been in his possession. The grand jury reportedly also issued subpoenas to obtain surveillance footage from Mar-a-Lago, including views from outside the storage room where Trump has stored documents from his presidency. According to the New York Times, in response to the grand jury subpoena, a top counterintelligence official for the Justice Department met with Trump's lawyers on June 3rd at Mar-a-Lago and reportedly left with additional material marked classified. Leakers also claimed in the latest of the ever-changing justifications for the raid that around the same time as the visit to Trump's Florida home, one of his lawyers provided a declaration attesting that all the material marked classified in the boxes had been turned over. Then, after a confidential human source reportedly told the FBI that Trump continued to hide classified documents, even providing the location of those documents, according to two senior government officials, the Department of Justice moved to obtain the search warrant. So, this guy, Ferriero, the former archivist of the United States, he's actually not in charge of the National Archives anymore. Why not? Well, this is key. He quit for political reasons. He quit because he didn't want to be part of our country's history when we are facing these tumultuous times. He once said that January 6th was the worst day of his life, the absolute worst day. And here's what Margot Cleveland points out. And I'm going to summarize this. I'm paraphrasing this. Ferriero did not work with Trump after he left office for the storage of what would have been possibly classified information, although Trump said he declassified the documents, and I have no reason not to believe him. Ferriero did work with President Obama after Obama left office and Obama had classified information that he had with him. So these these two very similar situations where Obama left office and took classified information, Trump took left office and maybe had classified information or information that was otherwise before he declassified it, classified. Ferriero simply worked with Obama to create a storage situation. But what did he do with President Trump? He didn't try to work with President Trump to properly store documents. He actually referred Trump to the Department of Justice. So right there, you have political bias, which he's already admitted to because he said he quit for political reasons. January 6th was the worst day of his life. He said he, as he watched President Trump leave the White House on his last day as president, he saw President Trump's staff carrying a white banker's box and he thought to himself, what the hell is in that banker box? That's not something that you think if you are a neutral individual. That's not something you think if you are a Republican. That's only something you think if you are so inherently biased against President Trump that you are looking for ways that he might be committing a crime. If you are trying to create ways that it might look like he's create, he's committing a crime. So Feria referred the matter to the Department of Justice, which also is not what he did with Hillary Clinton. When Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and mishandled classified information on her email server, he sent a letter to Hillary Clinton and her people a letter to try to straighten it out and fix it and just retrieve the information that he needed to have his hands on. So with Barack Obama, he rearranged, he arranged for storage of documents. With Hillary Clinton, he sent her a letter, with, but with Trump, he referred Trump to the top law enforcement officials in the land. It was because of that that a grand jury was impaneled. And of course, we know that once a grand jury has been impaneled and a subpoena has been issued, anything less than full capitulation with everything the FBI does and says can also result in a charge of obstruction of justice. So is this ringing any bells? 
Does this sound like the same thing all over again? The FBI raided Trump because the January 6th committee produced nothing. They were a joke. They failed to establish that Trump was responsible for any of the violence on January 6th because Trump was not responsible for the violence on January 6th. Russia collusion, impeachment, didn't work. Mueller investigation came up with nothing because there was nothing. Ukraine impeachment didn't work because there was no quid pro quo. And every one of the American people who looked at the readout of that call could see that for themselves. Hillary Clinton lost legitimately in 2016 because she's a terrible person, a terrible politician. People didn't like her. President Trump or President Obama left the country in such bad shape that people wanted to change. President Trump promised to stand up for working class Americans and people believed him and they should believe him because that's what he did. The Democrats to this day, as they tell us that we can't question the integrity of the 2020 election, they to this day question the 2016 election. They think that the 2016 election was stolen from Hillary Clinton. They think the Russians helped Trump, that Trump, they believe their own Russian collusion narrative. This FBI raid is the fourth time around using the same playbook, the same players, the same strategy. They're just recycling it over and over and over. So why now though? It's kind of a random time. The middle of summer in 2022, we're three months away from the midterms, still two years away from the presidential election. Why now? The left realizes that President Trump is running. It's not a question of whether he's running. It's only a question of whether he's going to announce today or tomorrow or this week, whether he's going to wait until after the midterm elections or whether he's going to wait until next year. President Trump is running for president in 2024. Trump will win because look at inflation. Look at gas prices. Listen to one thing that any administration official from the Biden administration says about how much the American people are hurting. They just dismiss people's pain and say it's all part of the transition to a green economy. If you want a tax break, maybe you install an electric charger in your house. The American people are like, WTF, what are you talking about? We can barely afford food. Trump is going to win by the same margin of votes that he got in 2020. He will get 75 million votes again. There is not a person in this country, except for maybe the players involved in this hope, no normal people in this country who will ever believe that Biden legitimately beat Trump in 2024. Nobody. The left got away with their electioneering in 2020 because it hadn't happened before and it caught conservatives and non-conservatives who are simply thinking people unawares. It wasn't easy to see how the rigging and the cheating happened. It took months to unravel what happened. But if you think doubt in the integrity of the election was widespread in 2020, you ain't seen nothing yet. Wait until they try it again in 2024. Wait until they tell us that Biden has defeated Trump in 2024, thanks to electioneering. Democrats understand that they have to win a different way. They have to defeat Trump before the election. They have to get rid of him now. They have to make sure that he doesn't even declare his candidacy. That's the reason why the FBI is pulling this stunt now. I want to circle back to something I said before when I said we have sat here, you and I, guys, we have said this to our elected officials for the last six years. We've said if you Republicans don't do something 
to hold accountable the people that were involved in propagating the Russia collusion hoax, it will happen again. I had the most interesting conversation with Senator Ted Cruz on our series, which is called The Cloakroom on Verdict Plus, where Senator Cruz identified the reason why conservatives who might appear to be stalwart conservatives, this is senators specifically, senators who appear to be good, solid conservative senators, why they don't speak out on election integrity, why they don't do these things, why they don't hold the left accountable. What happens is a series of senators stand up and make nominations for and for majority leader you typically have two or three senators that will stand up and nominate Mitch McConnell. And they give these, these poetic talks where they praise Mitch McConnell as the greatest person to have ever lived. And then Mitch doesn't actually stand up and say anything. He doesn't, he just says, thank you, I appreciate that. He doesn't lay out a vision. He doesn't lay out what he wants to do. He doesn't lay out a plan. He doesn't say anything. He just gets nominated. And the entire 10 years I've been there, nobody's run against him. And he's been voted by acclamation every time. So I've never cast a vote for majority leader because it's been by acclamation. He's been the, the only person nominated. Now, as a practical matter, there's a reason he's the only person nominated, which is starting in 2014, Mitch runs the largest super PAC electing Republican senators of any person on planet Earth. Mitch will spend between three and $400 million helping elect Republicans to the Senate. For most of my colleagues, Mitch is by an order of magnitude, their biggest donor. And so most Republicans are terrified of disagreeing with him on anything. It literally took all of my self-control not to smack the table and be like, what? How does the American, how did the American people not know about this? Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, does not believe that anything fishy happened in the 2020 election. Mitch McConnell does not believe that Biden and Mark Elias rigged the 2020 election. McConnell does not believe that the Democrats electioneered laws and voting procedures in states all across the country in ways that they had no authority to do and based it on people's fear of COVID. He doesn't believe any of that happened. McConnell thinks that Trump legitimately lost. This same man, Mitch McConnell, controls the money going to the campaigns of senators who need his money in order to win re-election. What? Well, I guess we've solved that mystery. Your senator, your Republican senator is being held hostage by Mitch McConnell's money. You should reach out to your senator. You guys, ask your senator. Are you afraid to speak up because you're afraid of angering Mitch McConnell? Because if you anger Mitch McConnell, you won't get his money for your re-election campaign and you're worried that that means that you won't win re-election? Look at the campaign donations of your senator, guys. See who the biggest donor is. See if it's Mitch McConnell and his super PAC. We have to change this. Mitch McConnell is a complicated man. I get that. Mitch McConnell is a brilliant politician and there are times that I appreciate that. Mitch McConnell is largely responsible for helping Trump get Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. And without the three of them, Roe v. Wade would never have been overturned. And I am forever grateful to Mitch McConnell for that. 
But that does not mean that we give Mitch McConnell a pass on everything else, especially when the guy is wrong about the 2020 election, and especially when the guy is also compromised by the Chinese Communist Party through his wife, Elaine Chao. Mitch McConnell controls every single Republican senator who, who receives money, who accepts money from Mitch McConnell's super PAC. This is why we see no accountability for Russia collusion. This is why we see no accountability for Democrats electioneering the 2020 election because Mitch McConnell doesn't believe in those two things. And if you say it and it annoys Mitch McConnell, then he's gonna withhold the money. And those Republican senators need the money. If you wanna watch that whole, that whole video, which I highly recommend that you do, you can go to verdictwithtedcruz.com. The FBI, what it comes down to is the FBI broke the law raiding Trump at Mar-a-Lago. They seized executive privileged documents and attorney-client privileged documents. They broke the law. The FBI broke the law again. I had a Newsweek piece come out today in which I said, it's obviously time to abolish the FBI. The FBI should die the way that it was founded as a political tool utilized against the political opponents of the Democrats who are controlling the deep state. The FBI never had a stellar reputation. There are so many, even Republican pundits, who are going around saying, well, we have to restore the FBI to what it used to be. What did it used to be? It's been corrupt since J. Edgar Hoover, who was the first FBI director. And yet, the FBI tells us, if we fly, don't tread on me flag, if we're Second Amendment supporters, they tell us that we're extreme. Cool. Yeah, I don't think so. Over on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, we're going to talk about the Pfizer CEO. Poor man, he's come down with COVID. He's only had four, four vaccines, four of his own vaccines, and he's still sick. We're going to talk about that. Join us, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code, it's access, then you can watch for free for a month on your annual subscription. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. 